This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning here on KGMI. Dick Donahue with you. Thank you for being with us. You know, it's that special time of year. We're all here and read a great deal about Black Friday, Thanksgiving weekend, Cyber Monday, and many pundits are going to make sweeping conclusions about the economy based on these very limited reports. Our recommendation, feel free to ignore this news. Christmas spending is a marathon, not a sprint. Slow sales early could be bad news, or it could just mean shoppers are waiting to pounce later. Fast sales early could be good news, or it could mean consumers get tapped out sooner. Past patterns are no indication of this year's results. Even more important, it's not how much consumers are spending that matters, but how much the economy is producing, which is the ultimate source of future purchasing power. Instead, focus on fundamentals, like monetary policy and corporate profits. It's these fundamentals that determine the path of markets in the next year or so. And with results from 97% of the S&P companies for the third quarter, according to FactSet, it looks like corporate profits are up about 2% from a year ago. The stock market depends on two important factors, profits and interest rates. As the Federal Reserve has listed short-term rates, the entire yield curve has risen, and higher interest rates have been a drag, big drag on stocks. Now stocks look like they may have to grapple with stagnant to declining earnings. This is why we think the recent rally does not signal necessarily the end of the bear market. The only way the recent rally turns out to be a signal that the worst is behind us is if the U.S. somehow avoids a recession. But with monetary tightening highlighted by a significant slowdown in M2, avoiding recession is probably not likely. It's especially true when we add in the fact that much of the economy, especially the goods sector, has yet to get back towards normal after being artificially supported by trillions in temporary stimulus in 2021. Some recent economic reports have been solid, including retail sales, manufacturing output, new home sales. Meanwhile, jobs have kept growing. But the link between tighter money and less economic growth is long and variable. Since back in 20 and 21, we consistently have said that the bill for massive overstimulus would eventually come due. We are now much closer to getting that bill. But don't let the time lag or the belief that the Fed can reverse course just in the nick of time convince you that it's not coming at all. Let's take a look at this global summary for the week. We saw the robust U.S. payrolls dim the hopes of a Fed pivot. Hopes for economic soft landing were dealt a blow as firm U.S. employment data suggests that the U.S. Federal Reserve will need to remain vigilant to tame inflation, 
Global equities shed some of their early week gains, and yields rose after Friday's data were released. But for the week, the yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note fell to 3.57% from 3.71% before the Thanksgiving holiday, while the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil rose $4 to $81.40. Now, volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or the VIX as we know it, edged down to 20.75 from 21.5. So let's look at some of the macro news. Resilient U.S. labor market keeps pressure on the Fed. Markets had hoped that decelerating U.S. job gains would allow the Fed to slowly take its foot off the monetary brake pedal. That hope faded Friday morning as November non-farm payrolls rose a stronger than expected 263,000, and the October figure was revised higher by 23,000 to 284,000. Most alarming for the Fed was the six-tenths of 1% month-over-month jump in average hourly earnings, a gain that equaled the largest monthly jump of the year. Average hourly earnings jumped 5.1% year-over-year, well above the consensus forecast of a 4.6% rise. Additionally, the labor force participation rate dropped a tenth of 1% to 62.1%. The Fed would like to see the participation rate rise, easing tightness in the labor market. And Fed's Powell is most hawkish, but markets are skeptical. Fed Chair Joan Powell spoke on Wednesday touching on many of the same hawkish themes that dominated the press conference after the November meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee, such as keeping rates at a high level for a considerable period. However, Powell acknowledged that the pace of rate hikes is likely to slow down as soon as the committee's December meeting acknowledged that rents and important input into the Fed's preferred price measure have begun to fall. Given data lags, it'll take a while before the decline shows up in the inflation's calculation. Investors looked past the hawkish and seized on the dovish, driving the S&P 500 index 3% higher on Wednesday. Powell said that the Fed wants to avoid over-tightening monetary policy, which could throw the economy into a deep recession, causing the central bank to quickly reverse course because the central bank does not want to cut rates soon. China says efforts to combat COVID have entered a new phase. Days after anti-lockdown protests in China, some of the largest in decades, Vice Premier Xunan, the, the official in charge of the country's COVID response, dropped the use of the term COVID zero and assigned that the government is amending its approach to controlling the virus. Sun told a meeting of the National Health Commission that his Omicron variant becomes less pathogenic. More people get vaccinated and our experience in COVID prevention accumulates. Our fight against the pandemic is at a new stage. Efforts aimed at vaccinating the elderly have been stepped up and officials are discussing rolling out a fourth round of shots. Local media this week quoted experts as saying that there's no need to panic about the Omicron variant, said it's much less deadly than earlier strains. And the eurozone inflation is edging lower. Consumer prices in the eurozone rose 10% in November from an earlier year earlier, down from October's 10.6% pace. Core prices rose 5% year over year in November, the same as in October. The drop in the headline rate was the first since June of 21. Came on the back of somewhat lower energy prices, and Europe reached the limit on its natural gas storage capacity. 
Speaking prior to the release of data, European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said that she would be surprised if inflation had peaked and that the ECB will tighten as long as, as, long as and as much as needed. We're on some quick hits here. The core U.S. personal consumption expenditures price index, the Fed's preferred price measure, slipped to 5% in October from 5.2% in September, in line with expectations. And on a month-over-month basis, core PCE rose three-tenths of 1%, below the four-tenths of 1% consensus forecast. And the Institute of Supply Management's Manufacturing Purchasers Index slipped to 49 in November from 50.2 in October, a larger-than-expected decline, bringing the index to its lowest level since June of 2020. The New Orders Index fell to 47.2 from 49.2. I'll bring more information on that here a little later today. And the U.S. granted authorization to Chevron to resume pumping oil from Venezuela after the country's government agreed to humanitarian relief. The U.S. license was issued for six months and can be revoked by the U.S. at any time. And BlockFi, a cryptocurrency lender caught up in the FTX bankruptcy, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy this week. And Canadian GDP rose at a 2.9% annual rate in the third quarter on a rise in net exports. However, preliminary data showed that economic growth was flat in October. And Japanese Prime Minister Kishida announced this week that Japan will raise its defense spending to 2% of GDP by 2027. Stick Donahue, I will be back with you in a moment. With us is Mark Maiden from Capstone Physical Therapy, winner of Best of the Northwest. Mark, I understand you've been a hand therapy specialist for over 25 years. What exactly does a hand therapist do? Our hands are critical to daily life, and when they get injured from trauma or overuse, our quality of life is affected. I work with doctors and surgeons to maximize hand recovery and get people back to life and the activities they enjoy most. What types of injuries do you treat? I've helped thousands of patients with tendonitis, sprains, fractures, dislocations, arthritis, basically anything that leads to hand pain or dysfunction. Any tips for our listeners? If you're experiencing hand or wrist pain or loss of function, seek attention early. Knowing what you have and what to do can lead to a faster recovery. Capstone Physical Therapy is a preferred provider with Kaiser, Regents, Medicare, LNI, and most other insurance plans. Visit CapstonePT.com today to get back to life and the activities you enjoy most. What the... The hardwood, the carpeting, everything's soaked. The pipes must have burst. We better call Swans. If you have water damage, call Swans Clean Care and Restoration first. They work with all major insurance companies, and their new infrared thermal imaging technology enables them to detect hidden problems before they cause more damage. Swans is the water damage experts. They even offer ceiling drying for roof leaks. So call Swans today or visit them online at swanscarpetcleaning.com. Diane from Michigan, a disabled senior citizen trying to get by. Henry from Florida, a veteran fighting to make ends meet. Elena from Arizona, a mother struggling to feed her daughter. Hi, I'm Connie Britton, and I support Feeding America because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year, like Diane, Henry, and Elena. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again. Would 
Just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey here with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Go in there and check out our podcast. We have rebroadcasts available of these shows every week under our podcast. Or you can check under Insights and see a number of pieces of podcasts, etc., research information that are coming out from our Carson Group. So check it out at WealthWakeUp.com. And as I mentioned yesterday, we are in the, looking for an associate wealth advisor to join our firm. If we have somebody that's been in the industry for a while that is looking for making a change, we would love to meet with them. So if they're interested, they can give us a call, 360 360- 733-1200. I'm going to continue with this week's global roundup. And U.S. home prices, as measured by the S&P Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, showed a month-over-month decrease of 8 tenths of 1% in September. On a year-over-year basis, the index rose 10.6%, down from 12.9% in August. And the European Union has agreed to a $60 a barrel price cap on Russian seaborne oil in a bid to keep energy supplies flowing while crimping Moscow's revenue. The cap is scheduled to come into effect on Monday. And U.S. President Joe Biden said Thursday that he is open to speaking with Russian Prime President Vladimir Putin about the Ukraine crisis if Putin is looking for a way to end the war. A spokesman for Putin said Friday that Putin is open to negotiations, but that Moscow's demands must be met. And former chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, Austin Goolsley, has been named president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. Goolsby, a Chicago, University of Chicago professor, will assume the post in early January and will become a voting member of the FOMC in 2023. And the Canadian economy added 10,000 new jobs in November, matching estimates. And Australia's consumer price index dropped to 6.9% in October from 7.3% in September. And according to apartment lists, the U.S. apartment rents fell by 1% in November, their third straight monthly decline. And President Biden signed a bill passed by Congress Friday morning averting a nationwide rail strike. And the Fed's latest beige book said economic activity was flat or up slightly compared with the previous report, down from the modest average pace of growth in the prior period. Despite some of the easing supply chain, price, and wage conditions, contacts expressed greater uncertainty or increased pessimism about the economic outlook. And the labor organization, International Labor Organization, reported this week that real global wages fell in the first half of 22 for the first time in the 15-year history of the data series. The ILO noted that when real wages fall, the risk of a wage price spiral is reduced. So 
let's talk about that November employment report that came out this week. And the job market in November was not as strong as payroll headline suggests, but also signals that the Fed needs to keep hiking rates. Non-farm payrolls rose 263,000 in November, beating the consensus expected 200,000. The gains in November were led by leisure and hospitality, which is still recovering from the COVID shutdowns and education and health care. The weakest sector was retail, another sign the economy shifting away from goods and towards services, the opposite of what happened during the first year of COVID. Meanwhile, the details of the report were not as strong as the headline. Civilian employment, which is an alternative measure of jobs, includes small business startups, declined 138,000. The labor force, people who are either working or looking for work, dropped 186,000. As a result, the labor force participation rate ticked down for the third month in a row at 62.1%, tying the lowest level in 22. Most importantly, the average private sector network slipped to 34.4 hours in November, the lowest level since 2020. And as a result, even though more people were working, the total number of hours worked declined two-tenths of one percent. That's the equivalent of losing about 250,000 jobs. And total hours worked are up at only 1.1% annualized rate in the last three months, which is consistent with the late stages of a labor market recovery and suggests a significant slowdown in the pace of net job creation in the months ahead. Does this mean the Federal Reserve will soon stop breaking hikes? Nope. Average hourly earnings rose six-tenths of 1% in November, or up 5.1% versus a year ago. That year-ago comparison is slower than inflation, which means the reduction in workers' real inflation-adjusted purchasing power. But the six-tenths of 1% gain in November itself shows that workers might be factoring higher inflation into their wage demands, which is something the Fed is determined to prevent. In another recent news, automakers reported selling cars and light trucks at a 14.4 million annual rate in November, higher than the average 13.9 million pace in the last 12 months. And the third quarter GDP preliminary report also came out this week, and this was the second report on the third quarter. And it was revised higher from the initial reading a month ago, growing at a 2.9% annual rate. The upward revision to the overall number was due to stronger consumer spending, business investment, net exports, and government purchases, which more than offset a downward revision in inventories. We also received our first look at corporate profits for the third quarter, which declined 1.1% versus the second quarter, but are still up 4.4% from a year ago. And profits in the third quarter declined at uh, domestic financial companies as well as from operations abroad, while rising at domestic non-financial corporations. Moving forward, we expect further declines in corporate profits as the economy continues to renormalize after the massive fiscal and monetary stimuluses of 20 and 21. In turn, this will be a headwind for equities similar to the headwinds this year due to rising interest rates. Regarding monetary policy, the inflation news shows the Federal Reserve has more work to do. GDP inflation was revised higher to a 4.3% annual rate in the third quarter versus a prior estimate of 4.1%. And GDP prices are up 7.1% from a year ago, nowhere near the Fed's 2% target. 
Meanwhile, nominal GDP, which is real GDP growth plus inflation, rose at a 7.3% annual rate in the third quarter and is up 9.1% from a year ago. In other news, the ADP employment report showed a gain of 127,000 private sector jobs in November. And on the housing front, national price measures were mixed in September. The FAFA index, which tracks homes financed by conforming mortgages, ticked up at a one-tenth of one percent in September and is up 10.6% from a year ago. The largest declines in the past three months have been in San Francisco, Seattle, and San Diego. All S's, all on the West Coast. Rather interesting. Oh, well, oh, well, with Miami is the only major metro area with a net gain since June. Our forecast is that these national indexes will generally decline in the year ahead, but the overall drop in national averages prices from peak to bottom will be at a range of 5 to 10%, not the 25% debacle of the previous housing bust. And why is that? Because home prices are not far out of line with construction costs. We didn't have massive overbuilding, and the low mortgage rates prior to 2022 will keep many existing homeowners from selling their homes. And we got the November Institute of Supply Management's Manufacturing Index Report, and the manufacturing sector officially entered contraction territory in November, at least in terms of sentiment, with only six of 18 industries reporting growth. Respondent comments in November were mainly focused on worries about the pace of future activity, with some customers pulling back on new orders due to worries about economic slowdown, especially in the European Union. However, that was not most notable among the survey's responses was what wasn't said. Specifically, the lack of comments related to the supply chain issues that have plagued the manufacturing sector over the past few years. This was reflected in the details of the report as well. New orders fell further into contraction territory in November, which is hardly surprising given the consumers have been shifting their preferences away from goods and back towards services. However, despite declining in the report, the production index remains in expansion. This has given U.S. factories time to catch up on all the existing orders they already have in the pipeline. The result is the first reduction in supply chain pressures in years. For example, the index for order backlogs fell to 40 in November, which is the lowest reading since the early days of the COVID pandemic. Meanwhile, the supplier deliveries index remained negative territory at 47.2 as well. This means supply chain problems aren't just getting worse at a slower rate, they're finally reversing. And meanwhile, the employment index fell to 48.4 in November. While panelists in recent months have said that they're beginning to take pause on new hiring and allowing job uh, labor turnover to reduce headcount, layoffs are also begun to be mentioned in November. This is a sign that a weaker outlook for new order may finally be hurting demand for labor in the U.S. factory sector. And finally, the prices index in the report continues to signal that inflation pressures have likely peaked in the goods sector, falling for the eighth month in a row to 43. And while lower prices for goods will help moderate overall inflation, we expect the service sector will now be the main driver going forward, keeping inflation well above the Fed's 2% target. In other news, construction spending fell three-tenths of 1% in October, with large declines in manufacturing facilities and home building, more than offsetting gains in power projects and recreational facilities. 
Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. KGMI has been the voice of our community for over 90 years, presenting the news and information that matters here while also offering you the chance to have your voice heard. And that commitment continues. Start your day with the KGMI Morning News with Deanna Harrelock from 6 to 9. And don't miss your chance to voice your opinion on the news of the day with Joe Tian on KGMI Connects each weekday at 4. KGMI is your news talk station. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Why didn't you just call Biobug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? Biobug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, Biobug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit Biobug.com. Biobug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Ask the experts with Western Solar. I keep hearing that the solar industry is booming. What's it actually like working in solar? Oh man, working in solar is a wild ride. They don't call it the solar coaster for nothing. Oi vey, can you spare us the dad jokes please? Right, right. Well, honestly, I've enjoyed every second working for Western Solar for over the past 12 years. We have an incredible team of industry professionals with full medical benefits, education stipends, and quarterly performance bonuses. Well, on top of that, we've built a collaborative team that values excellence, integrity, craftsmanship, and creativity. We even get to write and perform dorky radio ads every now and then. You know, on that note, Callum, they've heard enough from us. Hey, Cheryl, tell the good folks how to apply for a job at Western Solar. Interested in working at Western Solar? Find out more about what we're hiring for and submit an application online at westernsolarinc.com. Ask the experts with Western Solar. With thousands of residential, commercial, and institutional projects already installed, find them today at westernsolarinc.com. Wilson's Furniture Black Friday event is on. The best prices of the year are happening now. Huge savings on furniture for every room in your home, just in time for the holidays. Don't miss Wilson's Black Friday sale on now through the 4th on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. The holiday season creates magical moments to connect with your child. Did you know that singing with children or talking about the colors or smells of the season builds their vocabularies and helps their brains grow? 
As a parent, I'm the most powerful influence in my child's life. By taking a little time every day to talk, read, and sing with them, I'm setting them up for a lifetime of learning from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, ideas, and resources to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning this season. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Dewey Griffin Subaru, Ferndale Downtown Association, Lydia Place, UA Local 26, and Lorraine's Window Coverings. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Dunning here with you this Sunday morning here in KGMI. Let's continue on with this week's economic reports, and we have the October Personal Income and Consumption Report also come out. And consumer spending surged in October, but don't expect that to last. Overall, consumer spending rose eight-tenths of one percent for the month, meeting the three-tenths of one percent gain in consumer prices, which means consumers are spending more on real inflation-adjusted basis as well. The surge in spending in October was led by a 1.4% increase in spending on consumers' goods, which is part of the reason why we think growth in consumer spending will be much slower in the months ahead. You need to consider for a moment that from February of 2020 to December of that year, due to massive government stimulus, spending on goods rose more than $300 billion, while spending on services fell by over $500 billion. This government-induced shift caused a massive reallocation of resources, employees, consumer dollars, and investment. But now as returned to more normal spending patterns, the good side of the economy will be trending slower while services are continuing to heal. And meanwhile, incomes rose seven-tenths of one percent as wages and salaries grew, but incomes were also boosted by government benefits related to one-time refundable tax credits paid out by states. PCE prices, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, rose three-tenths of one percent in October, and they're up six percent from a year ago. And core prices, which exclude food and energy, rose two-tenths of one percent in October, and they're up five percent from a year ago. So the Fed may very well slow the pace of rate hikes starting with their meetings in two weeks, but they are likely to have ultimately to have to raise rates higher and for longer than they currently anticipate in order to get inflation in check. And while we're not in a recession yet, the Fed is very likely to cause one as they try to undo the effects of the policy decisions made over the last two and a half years. 
In other news, initial unemployment claims fell 15,000 last week to 225,000, while continuing claims rose 57,000 to 1.608 million. On the housing front, pending home sales, which are contracts on existing homes, declined 4.6% in October, after a large drop in September as well, suggesting another month of weak existing home sales for the month of November. And, as I mentioned a minute ago, but Powell's most important inflation indicator is cooling down. As a measure of U.S. inflation flagged by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell is perhaps the most important guide to the outlook posted a slowdown last month, according to the Commerce Department's data that was published on Thursday. Prices of services, excluding housing and energy services, rose three-tenths of 1% in October. That's the smallest increase in three months and down from a half a percent jump in September. And this spending category covers a wide range of services from health care and education to haircuts and hospitality. And this is the largest of our three categories, constituting more than half of the core PC index, Powell said on Wednesday in a speech at Brookings Institution in Washington. Thus, he said, this may be the most important category for understanding the future evolution of core inflation. And a broader gauge of inflation, which is the widely tracked core metric, which includes goods and services and housing, but excludes food and energy items, advanced two-tenths of one percent, which was less than the median forecast in a Bloomberg survey. Okay, so how do we prepare for coming gift tax exemptions or estate planning here? You know, we need to be prepared for a shifting landscape in the coming year when it comes to the estate exemption. The estate tax exemption increased by almost $1 million for 2023 as a result of the recent IRS annual inflation adjustments. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 had already doubled the exemption for gifts between 2018 and 2025. But the TCJA cuts in the exemption will expire in 2026 unless Congress passes legislation to extend the law. And given the division of powers in Congress in the next term, the prospects of such legislation become a reality are really uncertain. This means we need to plan carefully now. The estate tax exemption increased to $12.92 million in 2023. That means married couples can exempt up to $25.84 million without having to pay federal taxes or gift taxes. Even if the federal estate taxes are exempt, though, you got to keep in mind that each state has its own rules. For instance, here in Washington State, we have a lower exemption amount of $2.193 million per person with rates ranging from 10 to 20% on taxable estates. So even though the federal rate is up over to almost oh, 12 million, almost $13 million a person, the state of Washington exemption is only $2.193 million at the present time. And Washington, however, does not have a gift tax, so you can gift away. And this highlights the importance of residency plays in estate planning. The increase in exemption amount allows for high net worth people to shield more of their wealth from the estate federal tax of 40%, which has remained the same. 
It's extremely important to think about it now, since the rules unset on December 31st of 25 and revert to the previous exemption amount plus inflation of approximately 5 to $6 million. The annual exclusion for gifts is also increasing from sixteen to seventeen thousand dollars. So that means that you can gift up to sixteen to seventeen thousand dollars each, each husband and a wife, for example, per beneficiary. This may not sound like a significant amount to move outside of your taxable estate, but if you have a child or a grandchild, let's talk about pre-funding your 529 plan for five years because this would remove $85,000 and future growth from your estate as well. So 529 plans for funding college are really an attractive way to get money out of your estate. And while it may not sound like much, again, it's a lot of money. And some believe that current aggressive gift planning is only necessary if the gift will be something more than $6.8 million projected exemption for 26. But this may not be true. If you put a dollar in trust today, and that dollar grows to five at the time of your death, I just can't avoid the $0.40 cents in tax on the gifted dollar. I also will avoid the $2 tax on the $5 value, of which my initial gift grew. This concept is particularly important in tax planning during volatility in the market. An individual subject to wealth transfer taxes should engage in gift planning as soon as possible. If the laws change in 2026 is scheduled, the IRS will be powerless to approach individuals who took advantage of the pre-26 gifting laws to acquire payments of the difference in the tax. And while it's possible there may be some legislation introduced to lessen that reduction, there are also many legislative proposals out there to accelerate the timing of the sunset. The end result will likely be somewhere in between. Most people believe the exemption will be reduced and are not eager to try to guess where it will end up at. A few years ago, the Treasury also made clear that there would be no clawback in taxable gifts into the estate should the exemption amount later revert to $6 million, effectively freezing the value of the assets for tax purposes and allowing future appreciation to pass to younger generations without additional transfer taxes. So once again, seriously consider taking advantage of the fact that you can gift that amount of money and do it before 2025. And again, as I just mentioned, there is some risk that Congress may come in there and play around with this thing before then and decide to reduce it. So it's important that you sit down with a tax planning attorney. And I say tax planning attorney, sitting down with attorneys that do tax planning, you know, drawing up a will is one thing. But sitting down with an attorney that helps you do the tax planning aspects of your estate planning is also important. And that's something we can always give you referrals on. We have people that we work with on a regular basis that we do refer our clients to. People are really happy to work with and Pat and more than happy to share with you. So you can give us a call and we'll be more than happy to sit down and give you names and phone numbers of attorneys that we would recommend. But again, working with a tax attorney, a tax attorney, I got to stress that more than one time. Anyway, this is Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. Thank you for being with us today. Mattress shopping. Oh, where do you start? Soft or firm? Foam or spring? Box or base? Who's got the best price? <sighs> okay, take a deep breath. 
Start at DeWard and Bodie. They keep it simple, really simple. Test out mattresses, find the one you like, get it delivered to your home for free. They've created comfortable showrooms where any person can lie down and test out lots of different mattresses. When you find yours, their professional delivery team will bring it to your home, set it up, and recycle the old one. It's that simple. Plus, you can take your mattress home today paying no money down with interest-free financing. A lot of mattress stores have come and gone from this community, but DeWard & Bodie has been the premier mattress retailer in Whatcom and Skagit counties for over 20 years. Upgrade your mattress with the company you trust. DeWard & Bodie. They'll match any local price. They make financing a breeze and deliver for free. See for yourself how DeWard & Bodie makes mattress shopping simple at their mattress showroom in Bellingham. Heating emergencies happen. When your house is freezing, you need help and make it quick. Contact Clean Air Heating and Cooling. Their trucks are ready to go with everything needed to repair your Lennox furnace, heat pump, or fireplace. This winter, keep Clean Air Heating and Cooling on speed dial for all your heating emergencies. Call or text 398-9400 for 24-7 repair service. When heating emergencies happen, count on the professionals at Clean Air Heating and Cooling, a Lennox dealer. Online at callcleanair.com. Get informed and inspired with Saturday Morning Live on KGMI. Join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family. Sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal, each Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KGMI, News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donna here with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. If you got questions for me, give me a call. 360-733-1200. And going to talk a little bit about Social Security and the Social Security, what you need to know for 23 and the COLA that we've seen. Of course, we know that next year we're going to see an 8.7% increase in our Social Security benefits starting January 1st and probably should have received notices from IRS already or from the Social Security Administration on what to anticipate for next year. But it's important whether you have claimed or not because you have two different choices, those that have not yet claimed and those who have claimed. Let's talk about those that have not claimed yet. You do not need to claim to take advantage of the COLA and should not resort to claiming early based on that COLA. Qualified Americans over the age of 62 are going to earn the annual COLA applied to their benefit even if they are not collecting Social Security yet. And many are considering taking early due to savings being drawn down in value. But you need to review that decision to make sure that you aren't making a huge mistake. And then there are those that have already claimed, and their additional income from Social Security raise may enable them to withdraw less from their other savings. And they will now have more taxes to pay on their Social Security income with that increase. So that is something to consider. 
and the increase in benefit may put you over the provisional income threshold or percentage that are taxed on their Social Security income. The threshold levels did not increase. Therefore, reviewing your income levels will be necessary to see if taxes also increase. So basically what happened is back in the 80s when they did Social Security reform, they put in limits where if your income was at certain levels, a certain amount of Social Security was taxed. They have never indexed those levels to what inflation has done. So you can figure it's doubled since the mid-80s, and they're still using the same figures that they were back then. So that's something to keep an eye on. And we have a Social Security analyzer that we can give, you know, that we can use to give advice on Social Security claiming decision, our calculations test, the potential tax uh, torpedo spikes and their provisional income levels in its first single year. There's other key metrics to keep in mind. Maximum Social Security benefit at full retirement age increased from $3,345 a month to $3,627 a month. That's almost $300 a month. And maximum taxable earnings increased from 147000 to 160000 That's the amount of money that you're going to be paying Social Security taxes on. So if you're earning up to $160,200 next year, you will continue to pay Social Security taxes on that amount of money. And then retirement earnings test exempt amount is increased from 19560 a year to 21240 That means if you're still working, you can earn up to $19,560 if you're under full retirement age and not have to give some of that money back. So next year, it's going to be $21,240. Okay, let's uh, talk a little bit more, though, about Social Security here. Let's put divorce into this equation. And, you know, we usually think the end of a financial story for divorcing spouses is a decree detailing their financial settlement, the division of assets, alimony settlement, and child support terms. But even years after divorce, Social Security has some options for financial support that can revert to the years that a couple were married. So let's dive into that. You know, who can file for spousal benefits after divorce? Well, a divorced person can collect Social Security benefits based on their ex-spouse's earnings record if they were married at least 10 years, they've reached age 62, and they did not remarry. An eligible for primary insurance amount, or PIA, from Social Security that is less than one-half of the former spouse's PIA. So if your primary amount is going to be less than a half of what the spouse is getting, then you'd be eligible to get half of that. And if you meet those criteria, you're entitled to benefits on a former spouse's record anytime after the divorce if the ex-spouse has already applied for benefits. But what if the ex-spouse hasn't filed for benefits? Well, if you meet all the criteria above, you've been divorced for at least two years, you are, in Social Security lingo, an independently entitled divorced spouse, or IEDS. And as an IEDS, you can file for divorce spousal benefits through Social Security Administration, no matter if your ex-spouse is filed or not. So what if you don't qualify as an IEDS? Well, you can still file for divorce spousal benefits after your former spouse files for their own benefits or when your magic IEDS two-year divorce timer is up. Now, are there limits for extra filing options available to you because I am an IEDS? Well, yes, there are. There's a few unique filing options that are available once you attain the status. If you've reached your full retirement age, and we're 62 before January 1st of 2016, and your former spouse is at least 62 years of age, you can file what we call a restricted application for spousal benefits. 
on a restricted application allows applicants to choose one type of benefit that they want to receive even when they're eligible for multiple benefits. So with a restricted application, you can file for divorced spousal benefits and accrue delayed retirement credits, or DRCs, which max out at age 70, before you file for your own benefits. If both spouses are eligible for, to file restricted applications, they can concurrently file against each other's records simultaneously, and married couples are not eligible to do this. So another advantage of the IEDS status is that your spousal benefits are not reduced if your former spouse begins taking their benefits but has them reduced because of earnings test. This is an advantage that married spouses also don't have. Another question is, will I receive Social Security survivor benefits when my ex-spouse dies? Well, divorced spouses, both IEDS and non-IEDS, are entitled to divorce survivor benefits at the death of their former spouse. To qualify, you must have been married at least 10 years and at least 60 years of age, or age 50 if you're disabled. And if you remarried, you didn't do so before you turned 60. In this situation, deemed filing will not come into play. You can file for divorce survivor benefits only when allowing your own retirement benefits to grow by accruing as many DRCs as possible. It's important to note that there are different different FRAs for survivor benefits, that, and that's full retirement age, by the way, for survivor benefits than for retirement benefits. Knowing your survivor for full retirement age is important to avoid a reduction in your survivor benefits. If possible, you can find your survivor full retirement age chart on SSA or Social Security Administration's website. Bottom line is this. Social Security rules are complicated, and you're divorced trying to figure out your best filing strategy that earns the maximum benefits, Social Security Administration is not going to answer your, they'll answer your questions, but they do not provide advice. It's wise to consult with a financial advisor armed with software that, based on your situation, can show you how much you'd earn in various filing scenarios. And then there's a terminology refresher. A primary insurance amount is the term that describes that anyone eligible for Social Security benefits is entitled upon reaching their normal or full retirement age. Full retirement age varies depending on someone's birth month and year. So look up yours at SocialSecuritySSA.gov. And then Social Security withholds benefits if someone collecting them is below normal retirement age as earnings that exceed a limit set annually by the government from continuing to work. This is what the earnings test refers to. Once someone reaches normal or full retirement age, their earnings do not affect their Social Security benefits. And they also get common retirement questions about when should I take Social Security. Well... You know, and that is probably one of the most common is when should I begin taking my Social Security? Well, people are more open to the idea of delaying Social Security benefits now than they were 15 years ago. The decision to do so varies depending on gender, marital status, and interest rate period. When you look at married couple, there can be benefits at least one or the higher earner that was going to have the maximum benefit at age 70 delaying their benefit. And this is due to the way survivor benefits work. Whoever has the highest Social Security benefit, that's the benefit continues for the surviving spouse. So whoever has highest surviving spouse receives that. The loaner benefit drops off. So you always want to maximize the survivor benefit that can provide for a spouse who may be longer lived than you. 
And women also tend to live longer than men, which is why they tend to delay Social Security. Additionally, in periods of low interest rates, people are more likely to delay their Social Security than they would in periods of high interest rates. And even though the interest rates are rising now, it mainly is due to inflation. People should be aware that the real interest rates and in, in excess inflation when determining whether or not to delay their Social Security. Many people have been using a bridging strategy where they withdraw money from savings and investments to pay themselves what Social Security would pay them. A bridging strategy means you have the same amount of cash flow. You're just taking it from a different source or taking it from your IRA right now. Later, when you claim Social Security and get a larger amount, it means you'll have to withdraw much less from your remaining savings and investments and accumulated over a 25 to 30 year lifespan. This is what can help make your money last longer. There are, of course, reasons for people to take Social Security early. Health issues are the main reason, but some couples have one spouse claim early and the other one delay benefits based on who has the higher benefit. They also are people who have to claim early because they need a source of income and they really have no other options. Another reason people take Social Security benefits early is they think that they could pause it and then continue in a time, but this is actually not true. If you claim early before what's called your full retirement age, then you keep working, or if you find another job and you earn in excess of the earnings limit, Social Security will actually hold back a part of your benefit. Now, there is a recalculation later where you'll get it added back in, but it's going to take 12 to 13 years to get that back. And there are circumstances where people can stop receiving benefits when they claim them. If someone were to claim and then change their mind about it, within 12 months they can stop benefits. The downside is that the person would have to pay back the benefits that they received up to that point, which may or may not be financially possible for someone who claims early. In addition, once people surpass full retirement age, they are suspend their Social Security benefits. We've had some cases where software came back and said, yes, this person should suspend their benefits. Most of the time, it's because they're in the higher earners, and by suspending their benefits, they're restarting them at age 70. These benefits are going to accumulate delayed retirement credits, and these credits, when maximized, the survivor benefit, the maximized amount of cash flow the household will get viewed over their life joint lifetimes is substantially higher. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI this Sunday morning. Ever got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. And don't forget our live show at 11 o'clock on Saturdays. Thanks for listening and have a great week. voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.